Welcome to Cursed, a bi-weekly podcast that investigates the liminal spaces, from everyday witchcraft to the haunted and the phantasmic. Hang out with us as we explore our personal experiences with the unknown and celebrate our craft. So we're on episode 18. Yes. The Flesh Eater of the Forest. Yes. Which is all about the Wendigo as one mm-hmm. of the names that we know it by. Yep. Um, and then we want to do our patron shout outs before we get started here. Yeah. So on our Hanks level, we have Tori, Tamara, Rachel the Pickety Witch, Corey and Lane of New World Witchery, Alyssa, Joanne, Aaron, Melissa D., Cindy Brandon of Keeping Her Keys, Dakota, Star Friend, Ashley, and Amanda. And then our poltergeist, we have Randy, Temple, Luna, Melissa S., Heather, Avael, Jessica, Sydney, Tiffany, Stephen, Zach, Katie, The Church Grim, Lilith, Renee, and Stephanie. And then our Phalian... Brett! Is Brett. <laughs> We thank you guys for supporting us uh, in the show, um, and we hope you enjoy all the bonus stuff. Anyway, we're today we're talking about the Wendigo. Yes. And um, I'm going to hit my little timer to start. Okay. So we don't go to an hour and 40 minutes again. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not us. <laughs> so now the Wendigo is a, I guess, a native story that's been around for centuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes into eastern or northeastern and the east side of Canada through like the Great Lakes down through North America. Well, through America, but North America in general is kind of where it would spread through because that was back before we had any borders. These tribes were referred to as the Algonquin because of their language group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's many names for the Wendigo. I think there was 40 some that I saw. Yeah. Um... Uh, I'm looking at a website right now and um, there's there's a ton of them listed here and I know it's not all of them like it's not inclusive of, of every name so it's so hard you can't do them all like yeah there's so many but the idea I think started out um, within these groups which we have the what the Mi'kmaq the Cree it kind of started out um, as well I think it translates to roughly the evil spirit that devours mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed to be kind of a, that's the thing is, I think we both realized or noticed, um, and I can't say that I knew that before now, but um, it's less of a cryptid slash beast and more, mm-hmm. it seemed like in the First Nations or the native indigenous people, it was more of the idea that they were trying to get at was like a cautionary tale almost like it was this personification of hunger winter famine selfishness greed and it was like do not become a wendigo like and i think that tale was told to like share supplies between tribes and stuff and not mm-hmm. be too selfish or greedy or else um the wendigo is this kind of personification of like consuming and 
famine and stuff, which we'll get into like the original way it looked versus how people kind of see it now. Mm-hmm. Or is popular on internet, interwebs. Um, so one of the things that I found, uh, there's lots of different translations of the name. Um, so I know the one that's the most popular is the one that you mentioned is the evil spirit that devours mankind. Um, and then I also found one where it roughly translates to like spirit of lonely places. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting because you know, you think of that, like, archetype of, like, you know, uh, the very greedy person, the very Scrooge, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge type, like, person, and who, like, hoards and, and, and keeps everything to themselves, and they end up very lonely and isolated. So I thought that that was a really uh, poignant sort of name and, and translation. I thought that that really hit, like, a nerve for me, you know what I mean? Right. And like the thing that I saw was when you look through all these, there's so many names, there's so many ideas, but the over-encompassing idea of that personification, spirit, whatever you want to call it, was the same throughout. Whether they had different names, different translation, it was that idea of selfishness, greed, famine, winter, Mm -hmm. basically don't well i mean and and isolation too because i mean when these things are happening you know even even where we are right now you know i think you know we're all feeling that sort of isolation and i think that this is kind of you know we hadn't really thought of it in this way when we decided to do the wendigo we just thought you know oh that'd be cool um but you know again we're speaking on that like overtone of like isolation and you know the 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 depths of despair that you can like find yourself in when you're in such a terrifying and and horrible situation as you know uh the point where you're thinking of like doing something drastic and like drawing lots or you know like the um like the law of the sea and cannibalizing another person so like i can only imagine you know so but and this is what we're experiencing is for most people, a less drastic form of that. But again, I think it's that same sort of like desperate, oh my God, what am I going to do sort of feeling. Right. And I think um, part of that too was in the sense of um, starvation and hunger and all that is where the um, idea with, you know, being in those environments, like you said, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, the custom of the sea, which is uh, yeah. funny. I was just listening to Lore the other day about... Mm-hmm. Um, not the Wendigo, even though there is a good one on it, um, was on something else about cannibalism. And I don't know, cannibalism has always fascinated me. Um, Um, it, uh, it, it, it terrifies me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I, I cannot imagine, like, I understand being so desperate that you don't have another choice. And, and I totally respect that. You know, you have to do what you have to do to survive. But um, I think I know the exact lore episode you're talking about, too, because I, I, my skin was crawling the entire time. It's just, right. oh, and yeah. You talk about these things and it's like, okay, sometimes the story is, well, somebody passed away and then they went ahead and did that. And in this one, it was kind of like, well, he was the sickest of the crew and they were stranded mm-hmm. on a little island. So, you know, not only did they have to, like, kill him, Mm-hmm. They had to eat him, and then they had to live with the fact that they killed an innocent man, 
But then, yeah. like he, like Aaron says, if you don't eat it, it's in vain. But then, you know, it's just, it's always fascinated me. Yes, it's a taboo, even mm. though it's existed for, like, the dawn of recorded history. It goes, I mean, there's always been, I think, tales of cannibalism and stuff. And I know... And I mean, we have so much evidence, too, of, like, ritualistic cannibalism, too. Right. Um, across all kinds of different cultures. So... I mean, this, this is, it's a, it's a fact of human history. Right. I think this one is uh, the kind of, if you are being selfish, you're allowing other people to starve or you're, it, there's a lot of different things that kind of go into the idea of the Wendigo mm -hmm. more than just this cryptid. And yeah. it seems like the original lore, if you would to say that it was more than a personification, that it was almost a spirit and the idea that uh, this craving or this need or this lust and unlike satisfied hunger is just tied into that like oh he was consumed by the spirit of the wendigo was evil and it would take over somebody and that's why one of the original lures or the legend describes it as having a heart of ice yes and i think that plays into the idea of not only was it winter and cold and all that but the idea that your heart would have to turn to ice to consume human flesh mm -hmm. as a, and it doesn't even make it sound like it's a necessity in the legend of the Wendigo. It's a need that the craving is there and you're never satisfied. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like the greed. And that's why the original appearance of it, uh, which we'll get into, wasn't this antlered deer looking thing, uh, at least in the original uh, native legends. Mm -hmm. Right, because if you like go and you, like, do a cursory, like, Google search, like, it, it's always, like, a very antlered deer skull-like creature, and it's incredibly, like, morbidly beautiful, but it's not accurate as to what the, you know, Algonquin-speaking tribes were saying the Wendigo looked like. Right, it was tall. They they said it was tall. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, what? Is it 17 feet? I'm thinking for some reason. It was very tall and lengthy. Uh, like, 15 feet okay something like that it, like four meters or something i think so i always described it to have like a yellowish gray skin that was clinging to the bones like just emaciated mm -hmm. yeah uh, and some of the bones would be showing to me it makes me think of a white walker very much in Game so of Thrones. yeah or like and um was... like the creepypasta of like the rake r-a-k-e um right. yeah and they kind of said that like it's appearance it was almost like it um it doesn't have lips and it's either chewed them through through its hunger mm -hmm. or lost them to like decay but it almost to me it sounds like a picture picture a very tall icy zombie like cold mm -hmm. emaciated because that's what their idea was was it was human mm -hmm. they were once human and they've been yeah. consumed by the spirit of the wendigo and then the tale was every time it ate it grew in relation to the size of its meal Mm -hmm. so that every time it ate it became bigger which meant it needed more sustenance and it could never be satiated yeah which i guess that's where the the height comes from it continues to grow uh it doesn't look like some big wild beast um hulking thing through the woods it's a very slender like lanky zombie falling apart decay they said it has a smell of a an odd smell of decay as well 
Yes, definitely. And I remember one of the things that's the most common is like the, that stuck out to me was like, everybody talked about like the color of its eyes, these piercing, like yellow eyes. Glowing and. Yeah. Recessed back into its head. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, to me, that's creepier than a thing with a deer skull face, but Mm -hmm. either way. It's still pretty. Like usually, when I see something with like a deer skull face like that, I'm like, oh, "Deity, hi, can I talk to you?" Like, <laughs> I mean, we're witches here. We work with spirits, so I think there mm-hmm. um, is a possibility that you know. I don't know if you'd want to work with a Wendigo spirit. Um, we had somebody on our Discord, a fan, say that she's familiar with kind of working with one. It wasn't necessarily a pleasant one. It's kind of like, where do we come with with this? Is this this entity? seems to be less of a singular entity and more of a kind of a group almost like the person becomes the entity but the spirit and the cravings and kind of that possession if you will kind of overtakes them but there's something tied in with that later we can talk about called wendigo psychosis which i think Mm -hmm. in the beginning was used as a kind of cultural mental illness but it's been debunked for the most part rejected i think in the 50s is kind of when it was decided that this was kind of like a scapegoat but i think there's very few i think it's still referred to as that but there's a couple kind of like crazy tales of these people that were considered to be afflicted with wendigo psychosis but it's one of those things that they say doesn't happen if you're not culturally aware of what a wendigo is Mm -hmm. um which again i mean that could get into a whole thing where i think there's a reason that these like Christians or Catholics are possessed by demons in a certain way that other people just aren't. Yeah. Their kind of cultural pantheon that they've kind of done to themselves, I think, but that's a whole other episode. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're not not Catholic. The Algonquin legend you've got here that I read as well, um, Mm -hmm. describes it as a giant with a heart of ice. Sometimes it's thought to be entirely made of ice and its body is skeletal deformed uh, with missing lips and toes, which, I mean, those are the, some of the first things to go with frostbite mm-hmm. as well. Uh, nose and soft tissues, like little appendages. So that could be, you know, it sounds like most of these, they've obviously been familiar with people that have died mm-hmm. due to the elements there or exposure. Yeah. So yeah. that's what it sounds like is, okay, well, these, that's what makes me think of the White Walkers is because not only do they look like these zombies and they're, functional like beings creatures monsters but they're very like you know they're exposed to ice and winter and all that not just oh well these are you know zombies in the humid south like on the walking dead where they decay quicker but um (laughs) and get you know the humidity will really affect you oh definitely i mean that's why we still have you know remains of bodies from uh, hundreds, thousands of years ago in Egypt, you know, is because it's such a dry, you know, hot place is that, it, you know, that helped to preserve the remains, you know, uh, conversely, we have, you know, mummies that are thousands of years old um, from, you know, mountaintops in Peru or, you know, from the farthest north regions of Russia and, um, you know, Canada is because, you know, they've literally been frozen in time. So it's, it's really, it, 
when you have that kind of extreme, you have, you know, that really helps to preserve the body in a way that I think is really interesting and, and not altogether like dissimilar, even though the process is very different because of the temperature that it's exposed to and, and, and everything else. So, well, uh, and part of it, let's see, what was the, um, Ojibwe, they described it as a large creature, as tall as a tree, lipless mouth, jagged teeth, mm -hmm. um, bloody. If it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory, and those were the lucky ones. Sometimes the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, mm -hmm. and then that individual individual became a Wendigo himself. And so that's kind of like a similar trait, even though they were, I mean, they, they're from the same region, but, you know, there are little differences here and there. Mm -hmm. And um, what's the one I saw in your notes here about um, there was something else from the Pacific side of Canada that seemed to be? Uh, yes. Wachuga. Wachuga. That's yeah. Which is a completely different part of the country, but they have their own sort of version of it. And I didn't really do a lot of research on it, uh, but it was also a very cannibalistic like monster-like spirit. But it was not so much that it was driven insane by, you know, the, um, you know, the elements and, and, and starvation and necessity to survive as it was more of like, we talked about earlier, like the, you know, ritualistic, like form of cannibalism where they did it as, you know, a sacred act, you know, so it, it's, it's very interesting. This idea of the Wendigo the a lot of the legends say that it comes from anytime somebody eats or cannibalizes another person that's allows them to become a wendigo or they were possessed by one mm -hmm. uh and so it wasn't until what the europeans came that uh they started hearing stories of the wendigo and sharing them mm -hmm. uh and it seems what i what i found and i think you found too i mean we literally found the same research but um <laughs> It was, they kind of were familiar with the idea of the werewolf and it matched mm -hmm. kind of their lore. And so I think that's when it started becoming this beast where it, it was almost like a person can go into the woods and turn into this and attack people and eat them. Okay, mm -hmm. we understand kind of what a Wendigo is. And that's what you said. Most of the pop culture, kind of the idea of a Wendigo is completely wrong when you look at the native lore. It was yeah. never this beastly thing. And um, I think that's kind of what I found as well in my research was that the European kind of idea and retelling of these stories uh, kind of got it to where it seemed like this beast roaming the woods, almost like yeah. a yeti or something. Yeah, it's it's uh, the Western European idea of a Wendigo is very like interpretation of a Wendigo is very different from how it is in Native American, you know, lore. And uh, I don't know. I think sometimes the European descendants are too quick to try to make something animalistic out of it. Um, because I went into this, you know, very much with the, you know, standard understanding of the wendigo and i think i came out of it viewing it as much more person-like and and almost exactly person-like but a person who's been pushed 
towards the brink of death, which I think makes anyone so desperate that I, I think anyone who is of a safe place and 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 has not experienced those conditions, I think that, that terrifies us all because we don't want to end up there. And then we also see from our safe and sheltered places, you know, the the acts that they've committed because they were so desperate. Like uh, that's that's absolutely terrifying to me. And I, I I think it goes back to the you know the same sort of thread here that I I keep finding when we do these cryptid episodes that the most terrifying creature is not you know these cryptids it's it's man we are our own worst enemies we are the most frightening thing in the woods you know like i think that kind of got lost in the um the passing down if you with the the european thing was mm -hmm. oh there's this monster out here but no the monster is us and yeah. what we might be willing to do or let ourselves like the biggest taboo mm -hmm. that you know still threads today is not only killing but also eating another mm -hmm. person and i think that's ingrained in us through evolution as far as well this is what we've where we've come and when we eat each other we're basically what is it disrupting kind of that survival mentality of tribal mentality of like keeping the group together and all this and mm -hmm. Now, I know there's other well, places. there are where... other, yeah, and that's what I was going to say, is that there are so many other places where, you know, uh, ritualized cannibalism was practiced for so long because it was actually considered to be, like, sacred. When someone, uh, there's a there's a tribe in, I want to say in the South Pacific, where they actually, like, ritually cannibalize these you know they're they're dead so when someone yeah. would die the women will actually go and prepare the body and eat the body because they view that as something that they view that as sacred instead of you know putting it in the earth to rot they're actually housing the spirit and the body and the essence of that person within themselves and giving them a new place to live Right. But I mean, course, I mean, those are kind of probably the, um, those aren't the norm though. The norm would be the taboo of, I think the idea of eating people, mm -hmm. eating each other and cannibalism is more taboo than it is normal or like ritual or things like that. Cause it does happen, um, to this day and it does exist and all that. Um, but I think we're, you know, in that mindset of like, you don't have to eat people if you prepare and you share supplies and all this and that was kind of like maybe the other lesson too. And I don't want to say it made me think of kind of like the idea of a boogeyman, but kind of like it seemed to start out as this idea more than an actual like, oh, we saw something like a Bigfoot. Um, mm -hmm. It was more the idea of like, this is what happens when you become greedy and consumed. Mm -hmm. And now that's not to say that some of these... Um, legends don't have it being a specific entity because right i think uh, in every time we have fiction there's a bit of there's a bit of truth and it it very well could be that you know they were inspired by the horrendous acts that were you know necessary to keep themselves alive or it could have been inspired by a real creature that you know exists and you know maybe through the thread of time and you know, that mouth to mouth passing, 
of the knowledge that sort of got lost. There is an idea of like a spirit, like that mm -hmm. kind of almost that change in what a person becomes due to harsh environments and desperation. So yeah, there's there's all kind of ways I think to look at it um, that you can't just say, well, okay, well, yeah, some of these said it was just lore and a cautionary tale and others, as we'll find out later, we'll talk about, there was, I mean, actually took measures to prevent somebody be from becoming a Wendigo. I guess another thing says what you have here is that they don't um, necessarily capture their prey or get their prey by normal means. They kind of uh, mimic human voices. Yes, they can mimic human voices, which um, I think you guys will remember from um, our first bonus episode. That's that's a big thing for me. That's a big no. Because uh, <laughs> I've, that that, I've had that happen. That's fucking terrifying. But they can mimic human voices. Uh, there are some places where they say that they can actually control the weather. There are other places where they say that um, they are able to um, run across snow or water and never sink into it. So it's, I don't know, which kind of goes back into like that, that sort of spirit mentality, you know, because if yeah. it's not so much a corporeal figure, you know, it's, it's not burdened by the elements of you know, wind and snow and, and ice and water. It's, it, it does what it wants to, you know, the physics of, of our limited concrete forms, like don't apply to it anymore. And that kind of matches with other tales of spirits or devils or demons, like luring people by mimicking. It reminds me kind of, wasn't it the Pukwudgie we talked about can mimic human voices and sometimes the fae and stuff like that like to lure you into um i know i haven't i don't remember i don't remember the puck that doesn't mean i didn't say it but i've just i don't remember um definitely can um and i know some some forms of like um poltergeist spirits like definitely can but like i know there's one really famous Pukwudgie encounter uh, that I actually heard about from Lore, which if you've never heard this episode of Lore, please, please, please go it's listen to it. It's one of like the first ones, because I really yeah, listened to it after. It's one of my favorites ever. Um, it will give you goosebumps. It's creepy. Yes, and they actually, it, it actually shows the really intelligent nature of these creatures because they mimicked like they they listened and observed humans enough to learn English and learn this person that they were trying to abduct, learn his name and say, Iwa Chu, we want you. Mir, come here. Mir, come here. Like that's oh like that gave me chills. Like seriously, the way that Aaron does it is amazing and I, I listen to it listen to it <laughs> yeah i spent the weekend listening to like catching up on some lore uh i haven't listened to it in a while and um i i went back and listened to the puckwudgie one because i was like i know i've heard that one yeah. i just it's been years so um and it is because i was like oh i remember cricket telling me but the wendigo one is good it doesn't necessarily talk about it's less about the wendigo and more about some of the stories we mm -hmm. want to talk about coming up but to touch on why, the only thing I could find out about why the Wendigo looks like what we see a lot over the internet and a Google search will do is kind of like the antlered deer beast 
Um, so it sounded like it was human-like, but got more beastly because of the werewolf kind of mm-hmm. lore. But the thing that I saw, which we'll link this, it's like a YouTube monstrum PBS mm-hmm. thing on YouTube. Uh, they said that these weren't, this wasn't a common depiction until the 2001 movie, The Wendigo. Actually, mm-hmm. I think it was just called Wendigo, came out. And it said that the director, which I'm a big fan of scary mm-hmm. stories to tell in the dark, the books, when I was younger, uh, the movie was like, okay. Yeah, I never saw but, the movie, um, but it, it just from what I did see of like the commercials and stuff like that, I was like, ah, it's boring. you can do better. I mean, <laughs> yeah, fight, fight me, but it's not fun. Um, and I bought it. <laughs> uh, anyway, but um, so the books are good. There's a Wendigo story in one of the books. Um, basically, it sounds like this movie, the director decided that um, he was going to take his inspiration mm-hmm. off this story of, of a Wendigo and which doesn't describe it, I don't think, is like an antlered being. And then another story he had heard, and it says the director never even researched the Wendigo of lore and came up with this monster creature idea. The movie doesn't have great reviews. It doesn't look like maybe one day we'll check it out. But at the same rate, it seems that his depiction of that afterwards, that's when people started attributing it. Because you have to think this is something that, I mean, 2001s, that was early, but the Wendigo isn't, I don't think for us as a whole wasn't as well known maybe. So I think maybe that's where people got the idea for antlers and stuff. Now I do appreciate the imagery. Yeah. I really like it. But I just don't think that it's appropriate for this, you know? No. And I don't think that it, um, it's kind of become the pop Mm -hmm. culture idea of the Wendigo. And I mean, who knows, but I, I do know that one of my favorite, um, TV series that, should come back and never have been canceled was Hannibal and in Hannibal uh they use imagery in like some of the visions and stuff that he gets because he it's kind of like the actor dressed up but he's very like Mm -hmm. kind of all black emaciated looking tall he very human looking but he has the large deer Mm -hmm. antlers coming off of his head and that was was so creepy but you know that's Mm -hmm. kind of where they got that imagery other thing I always fucking forget, even though it's my favorite Stephen King yes. book, is Pet Cemetery. Now, the original Pet Cemetery might mention the Wendigo in a very, I think it uses the mm-hmm. Mi'kmaq, but it doesn't necessarily, it kind of ties, he ties legends so, together just for the sake of I think of what I read, and I think I, at, where I found this was Wikipedia, so it should be, you know, pretty easy to find. But I think that it started from, there was a, novel that was written or a story that was written in 1910 and then there was another story that was written in 1950 by another person and then Stephen King picked it up from there so it's like a bastardization of a bastardization of a bastardization of the sort of uh their interpretation of the Wendigo that's been passed through multiple different authors at this point and they all change a little bit so for the sake of the novel and the story like it's not meant to be a direct legend but kind of harken back to all those ideas like you said but um it's actually not mentioned i don't think very prominent Mm -hmm. in the original movie it is in the book and then the remake which was okay but the remake goes more into the wendigo idea that the spirit is what's bringing these things back to life and making them kind Mm -hmm. of crave human flesh there is the wendigo is in a lot of pop culture i know there's a video game that i have not played but i've seen some play of which yes. is like Until Dawn. Yes, which yes, yes, yes. I don't remember um, how I that handles it. I have not played it. I know that it's a, a 
highly it like talked about game um I, but it's not one that i've played so i can't but i remember seeing it and going huh that looks interesting yeah i think i watched some like let's play of markiplier <laughs> doing it um, i love mark he's ridiculous but, um, it looks like a real <laughs> yeah right I, it, and it looks like a good game but like their wendigo looked more like kind of it got it it reminded me of um maybe the descent kind oh, of like okay. the humanoid fast moving creatures yeah. um and i don't know if the people were actually eating each other or turned into them somebody who plays the game i'm sure has will have to tell us about it um so the imagery the pop culture imagery i don't hate i like it i think it allows for like great art and i, I think it's an interpretation of kind of what the lore has become in our modern idea but when we're talking about the old legend and the original lore what we're saying is it looks like a crazy humanoid creature zombie white walker like which to me again mm -hmm. that's scarier to me i would be more afraid of because that's human anything that's humanoid I don't know if you want to call it the uncanny valley, like where you realize something's not human, but quite, I don't know, humanoids scare me more than I can. I, I, I definitely agree with I mean, that. Um, it doesn't mean I want to come up on either one. Of I them mean, no, ones, uh, um, but I think I, I am more terrified of the human being than I am of any beast that I would encounter in the woods. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I could walk up on a bear and be less terrified than walking up on a human being. You know what I mean? Because I don't. I know why the bear's out here minding his yeah. own damn business. What are and you I mean, doing out here? And I mean, if the bear were to kill me, it's because the bear is hungry. So it's the human. <laughs> you know, and usually with the human, uh, that's not the case. Usually, usually. Well, it'd be interesting because I know we have some. I'm sure we have listeners. I know we have some in that part of Canada, including Cindy Brandon and all these, um, like the eastern side of Canada, but also the Great Lakes and all that area is kind of where it's popular, or not popular, but that's kind of where it originated out and through there, because you're talking about, we're not talking about a little local area. This was an entire mm -hmm. language group, the Algonquin, um, and that spanned a lot of that eastern side of North America. We want to get into kind of the the Wendigo psychosis started out as being um, a cultural affliction is what they called it, is where the person believes that they have been possessed by a yes. Wendigo spirit. And um, so there was a couple examples that we had that I think are more popular. And what they do talk about on lore as well would be Swift mm -hmm. Runner. To me, it it's just like kind of horrific. And then we can talk about what's the other guy's name? Jack Fiddler. So these two guys are tied into with the that I think the idea um, mostly Swift Runner more because he was the one who actually blamed the Wendigo mm -hmm. for his actions, and then um, Jack Fiddler was actually a um, a Cree chief, right, and a medicine man, and he was kind of mm -hmm. a Wendigo hunter. Um, yeah, he so, he like claimed to have defeated like fourteen of them or something. Yeah, so I. It, it, I don't think it ever says like originally. They, I guess that was his claim, um, and they were said to be creatures sent by enemy shamans and other members. Now, I think he got in. Let's see, where is it? Because I know he got in trouble when he killed an elderly lady who they all decided that she was becoming a Wendigo. 
and the idea was that some of these tribes would kill people in them that were becoming Wendigos yeah. to kind of spare them. Now, what I heard or, or read was, okay, well, he went off of that, but that they found out that they were actually going to be, they could actually be prosecuted under like Canadian mm -hmm. law, even though they had no, regardless of whether or not they knew what that law was, they said that they still had to mm -hmm. abide by it or they yeah. fell under it. So they basically yeah. charged him with murder um, for killing this lady who, I guess they had all decided that who was becoming a Wendigo. They arrested both him and his brother in uh, 1907 um, for this 14th, you know, successful kill, whatever of a, of a, what they claim to be a Wendigo. Um, now I have to wonder if he used the excuse of the Wendigo to hide something more nefarious that was going on. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to know. Uh, he did commit suicide. Um, and then there was, they had another brother, um, Peter Flett, um, who was killed. I'm not sure if it was by them. Uh, but he was killed for being uh, accused of being a Wendigo. So, like, their own brother was killed for being accused of being a Wendigo. Joseph was tried and sentenced to life in prison. He ultimately um, uh, was granted a pardon, but died three days later in jail before receiving news of the pardon. Okay, so Jack Filler escaped captivity during a walk outside. He hanged himself nearby and was found dead mm -hmm. later in the day. So Jack Fiddler actually got or broke away and mm -hmm. killed himself. And then his brother, I guess, was pardoned, but didn't hear about it and actually died in, in prison mm -hmm. a few days later. Uh, and then the, the other one that I think is like very creepy is, um, is Swift Runner, who during the winter of 1878 and 79, uh, it was a time of starvation and misery for the Cree people. Uh, he became possessed. And uh, I guess when they found, I guess he, he returned without mm -hmm. his wife and family and he said they died of starvation however i remember um the story saying like he was very not starving looking like everybody's like okay well if your family died of starvation how are mm -hmm. you looking so well that's when i guess he took him back to his camp and explained that um i guess his where his family died but what they had found out was that he had actually killed and ate his entire family mm-hmm his and wife and the thing six that, children, uh, five children. I think so. Let me see. A uh, father of six children, yeah. And so he allegedly killed all of them and ate them. And then they that's what, where kind of, I guess, the Wendigo psychosis was coming from, was they were like, oh, well, he said he was possessed by a Wendigo. And that kind of idea of like, well, maybe he felt, you know, that his actions were okay. But uh, uh, to me, that's... The story seems like he probably thought he was like maybe that was a form of psychosis given the the elements and the time it was a time of starvation and a really rough like winter like it would make sense that somebody would kind of could suffer a psychosis and and feel like that was but that's just hard like to kill your wife and all of your kids and eat them yeah um yeah, uh, I mean, I, this almost has shades of, like, um, not to bring up Stephen King again, but, like, The Shining, uh -huh. where, you know, they are alone 
out in the, you know, really removed from everybody. And, you know, there is help nearby, but they're not reachable because that's one of the things that I think sticks out to me so much in the Swift Runner case is that um, he, there, I think 25 miles away, uh, there were emergency food supplies that were available at a, like a company post and he knew about them. And instead of going and and getting these supplies, he instead chose to methodically kill off his entire family. Yeah, and this says that he, uh, I guess his story was he was haunted by a Wendigo spirit in his dreams, and it called on him to consume the people around him, mm-hmm. uh, and then it eventually took control. When he finally became the Wendigo, he said that he was no more, and that that's when he killed and ate his wife. Uh, this accomplished, Wendigo forced one of the Swift Runner's boys to kill and butcher his younger brother. Mm. Um, the spirit hung Swift Runner's infant by the neck from a lodgepole. And anyway, he was obviously arrested and promptly hanged mm-hmm. uh, after. It said it, the trial was on August 8th, 1879. They did not view the Wendigo idea the same as the Cree people did. They just saw him as a murderer and the trapper made no attempt to hide his guilt. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he's basically saying, yes, I did this, but it wasn't me, it was yeah. Wendigo. And they're seeing that and going, uh, was it though? Because they don't understand the culture of it, you know? Or right. maybe there are other details that weren't outlined that, you know, we're not really aware of. You know what I mean? Like, because that I mean, 25 miles is not, you know, it's not, it's not impossible if you were really, really, really struggling. And I guess it was his six, his wife, his six children, brother and mother-in-law. Oh, wow. But see, that's the thing is, I think the idea of the psychosis was, okay, well, they had a lore and a legend of this spirit that could take over, so the feeling where he's probably going into an actual psychosis and mental break, Mm -hmm. he had something to pull from, which was the Wendigo lore. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like the other people were like, well, we don't know anything about this, but that's why they said it was kind of culture related and location related. Because if you didn't know about the Wendigo, you might have succumbed to this psychosis and this idea of, you know, we're starving and I'm going to eat my family the because your culture and your legend has that wendigo thing that's something for him to think about yeah it it helps him make sense of it because it's a it it right these myths and and legends and and stuff of this nature these stories exist to help us make sense of our world and because that's you know his people have been there for hundreds if not thousands of years you know, they've made sense with that reality of life, that fact of life, of living in that area. So whereas, you know, these European settlers are looking at it and going, oh my God, what the fuck? Because they're not used to this sort of, they're not used to this area. So, I mean, they don't have generations upon generations of, of ancestors that, that are from there and, and the legends that they've created around it, you know? Right. And I think, and it says that they, at the camp, they found bones everywhere. Some were broken and hollowed out where um, they had been 
opened and the marrow sucked out and there was a pot full of human fat. Now, I don't know how long it took him to do all this or how, but the idea that today when you have these people go on a rampage and they say the devil made me do it uh, and they believe they were possessed by a demon, that's because even though they act, they've probably suffering from a mental illness and they were probably unsure through either a disassociation or whatever, like they committed these and they know they did, but they're saying that something else was in control and their understanding and their, their way to reason with it is by saying, well, what's evil that I know about demons and, or sometimes even people talking about, you know, the voice of God came to me and told me to do it, you know? Yeah. But then I don't want people to think that I'm completely disregarding the fact that there are entities that one could so who knows i mean to me it would be a very hard thing it's not like oh well his family died and he ate them like he killed them Mm -hmm. he actively killed his entire family and ate them so to me it's kind of like well you know what what do you (laughs) obviously people have breaks but i mean this was he said he felt like i said it it seems like a mental psychosis, but as far as it being like a Wendigo thing, that's what they knew. So did mm-hmm. did a Wendigo spirit possess him? Did he become a Wendigo? Was it just an idea that popped in his head that he couldn't do anything but focus on and eventually he felt like he was doing this? You know, it's just, it's hard to say, but yeah. to... I mean, I, I think we're all kind of familiar with, you know, dire circumstances and being cooped up and isolated and, and the crazy things that that will make us do. You know, I mean, this is an extreme version of that, but... Yeah, and I just, it's it's hard to know how much of it was pre, like... Like premeditated? Right, which I it doesn't sound like it would be. It sounds like it eventually got to, it just... To me, it's hard to fathom, like, the person going from what we would assume would be a normal person. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever said, well, this was, you know, he seemed like he had murdered and ate people before, to just do it to your entire family and then eat them. And not just, well, I killed him and I took a couple bites. Like, he prepared and ate the entire family. Yeah. And even sucked the marrow out of the bones and then came back and was like, hey, everybody. Like, what? Yeah. And I mean, I've kind of done a little bit of research and I think, um, you know, lore is a really great place to to learn about cannibalism if you're really interested, Um, because there's a few episodes on it. But there are actually, you know, diseases that come from, you know, eating human flesh. Um, What's it called? It's like, it starts with a K. Um, Because they do say that it affects the brain and other things right and Um, i think it comes from i think it actually comes from eating the human brain too um and then there are some uh and it was actually i think it was in new guinea that they studied people the more the the more humans that they ate the more that they wanted to eat humans and it actually caused them to like go insane and then um kuru kuru yeah with the disease of the nervous system, it's a very rare disease caused by an infectious protein, prion, found in contaminated human brain tissue. Mm-hmm. Kuru is found among people from New Guinea who practice a form of cannibalism in which they eat the brains of dead people as part of the funeral ritual. 
this practice stopped in 1960. Yes, this, but is, this is the same. These are the same people that I was talking about before, where they talk about how they are like consuming the flesh, like during the funeral, to in order to bring that person's like spirit and stuff like that into themselves. But it's also the um, the kind of idea of like it's not too far from uh, mad cow disease mm-hmm. in in that it's effects, but it does say that um, there's an incubation period. Um, but it's a very short incubation period, right? No, this says that it's very, it's many years after. Oh, really? The disease okay. has a long incubation. So he probably wasn't out there suffering from, and this is like a nervous disease and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, he's, it, he was probably a short period of time, short enough for him to, I don't know, that's hard because it's like, we, it doesn't sound like we know exactly how, if he killed them all simultaneously or if he, the other ones knew it just he would have to have done it relatively quickly i would think because yeah how do you keep all those people i don't know it's just weird i mean i can't say that he wasn't possessed by this but there's a like how much of it was just him having a, a mental illness or an issue that he succumbed to out there like a psychosis mm-hmm. and of course the wendigo is what took that role for him because that's what he knew um if it was anywhere else would it have been like the spirit of this demon made me kill and eat these people mm-hmm. and so it makes you wonder is there actual wendigo spirit possession that got this guy to kill and eat his whole family or was it him using i don't even want to say that as an excuse because maybe he actually and i'm saying it's okay but maybe he actually believed that that's what happened it sounds like mm-hmm. and not just use it as an excuse but you know, that's why I think that they kind of, well, it's not really an actual disorder. It's more, we have this case to go off of, and that's what he thought was doing it. Um, but yeah, it's really, I think those are the two big ones. Uh, and they're very different. <laughs> they're very different stories of um, murder related to Wendigo. Yeah. Because um, I couldn't, I could not find any, like, I guess... I had trouble. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've I've definitely read, you know, that there are people who, you know, still claim that there are sightings today, um, especially around like uh, there's a specific part of Canada, and I think there's actually like a, a Wendigo Wendigo cave. Um, I think there's a Wendigo lake somewhere, um, and you know, sightings are very much still reported in these areas, but I couldn't find any like specific sightings you know what i mean um yeah not like a sighting like i think i saw a bigfoot but there i know there are sightings um i tried to look up some that weren't on youtube because some of these are just like a reddit stories Mm -hmm. which might be accurate but that's not what i'm looking for i'm looking for like more but i mean people still say they see this or feel this spirit um but it seems like more of the encounters with it tend to be of the spirit variety where the person, you know, is possessed by the spirit versus this creature actually came out of the woods and killed them. Um, and I, I think they do tie into, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe, but like I said before, I think there's a connection to like skinwalkers. Um, and I think there's different ideas of skinwalkers, but one of the things is you have to at least kill somebody and then some mm-hmm. say before you're possessed by the spirit of a skinwalker and that's how you become one mm-hmm. and then other lore says that you have to kill and eat a piece of that person to become a skinwalker we'll do skinwalkers 
yet too but um the idea of these again not being necessarily cryptids but spirits that can make these people into these terrifying entities of lore is scarier to me than thinking there's a you know like a horned beast running around out there yeah definitely you said you had some stuff for our patreon to check out yeah um so we'll head over there and do a recording for patreon um on a bonus uh wendigo stories uh if you've enjoyed these um hopefully we don't sound too bad and i'll edit it out <laughs> in the meantime you can find us on all your main podcast things you can find us on instagram mm-hmm. Can find us on patreon if you want to hear those bonus things yeah. for as little as a dollar a month you can go on there and hear all the bonus content get access to the notes because we've got a lot of links in these wendigo notes that you guys can check out um and get like the full detailed story that we don't have time to go into fully here uh without it being a full episode of just how this guy killed his family <laughs> or whatever but and then there's uh we're on discord or that link should be in our bio you can go check out the discord one of our patrons and friends uh dakota is painting a wendigo as we speak and it's looking so yes, good it is. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah we keep we keep seeing her progress and it's amazing so maybe she'll let us share that too on the page whenever she's happy with it i know how art goes yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can also find us on twitter but don't be mad because we don't check that really yeah. and then like yeah next week we should have like another little mini episode and we should have the patron bonus so we need to do another live stream coming up at some point to have fun yes but yeah if fun. you have any wendigo stories or lore or legends or corrections that you might have for us um you can send us a dm you can send us an email at cursedcast at gmail.com until next time i think that covers it all i think so all right guys goodbye goodbye craig goodbye craig goodbye cursed is a bi-weekly podcast produced by bones mcwilliams and cricket work editing by bones mcwilliams The theme for Curse is Voice of the Trees by Sun and Moon Dance. Check them out on Spotify, YouTube, or at sunandmoondance.bandcamp.com. Follow Curse on Instagram, Twitter, and become a patron at patreon.com slash cursedcast. I'm hungry. This time I'm fucking hungry. Um, I'll have to go see who's in the house. No. um. (laughs)